The NBA says it's running out of time to start back up in December. Plus, I defend alternate jerseys. And Perk, as an assistant coach, it's a Tuesday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talk about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hi there, John Corrales here from MassLive.com. I'm their Boston Celtics beat reporter and the host of this podcast, which comes to you on a daily basis. So if you're a new listener, welcome. I appreciate you sampling, checking out the show. And I hope you, by the end of the podcast, decide that you want to subscribe because it will come to your device, whatever device you use, whatever service you use, Monday through Friday, whenever I post the show, which is generally right around midnight, the night before. So... In today's program, I'm going to first talk about the leagues, the new league news that uh, Adam Silver was on a conference call with general managers, basically says that they're running out of time, why this thing is being negotiated through the media. Segment two, a defense of alternate jerseys. And not like, it's not crazy, it's not over the top, I don't think, but it's time to accept things. And I think a, a few of you might need to just accept the reality of, of the world we live in when it comes to these things. And then I got a question on Twitter. I thought it was interesting. Could Kendrick Perkins be an assistant coach for the Celtics? That's in the third segment. Let's start with the news of the day. Where the league... Oh, actually, no. You know what? Let me start with this. Because I made a mistake in yesterday's podcast. And this is related to the news of the day. Because we're talking about the schedule and... The league says it's running out of time to start on December 22nd. I contend, as I laid out in yesterday's podcast, that you can still stagger a restart, and I don't know why that's not being considered, but staggering a restart where the teams that didn't make the bubble were eliminated in the seeding games and were eliminated in the first round are all eligible to start on December 22nd, and then you fold in the rest of the teams. So I still think that's viable. But the mistake that I made was I put together the um, Martin Luther King Day schedule, my proposed Martin Luther King Day schedule, and I neglected to put Memphis on there. And that's normally not like a big, you know, so I, I made a mistake. But I, I want to emphasize that the that's a day that belongs to Memphis for obvious reasons. So MLK Day... I, in my proposal, I neglected because what I was trying to do was highlight the teams that weren't highlighted on, on Christmas. So I have Houston and LA and Boston and Milwaukee, Denver, and the Lakers and Miami. Those are all teams that wouldn't, under my proposal, make the uh, December 22 start. And they wouldn't play on Christmas Day. So I wanted to highlight them. But we could very easily sub out, you know, it could be instead of Nets versus Boston, although that's still a good one. Uh, Milwaukee versus Denver could be Memphis versus Denver could be Memphis 
versus, I mean, I don't know if you want to put a blowout like Memphis versus Milwaukee in there. Uh, maybe you throw out Golden State and because they were already featured or you throw out Philly or something like that. But there's a way to get Memphis into this, into this mix. And they should be in this mix. It's an important day in Memphis. And I just want to start the show by acknowledging that I made that error yesterday. And it doesn't change any of the actual substance of what I was saying. It just changes what my Martin Luther King Day schedule would have been. If you missed that, go back into yesterday's show because I laid out how you stagger the the return for these teams and I put out a whole Christmas Day schedule, which I really do like, and I think that that works. And so that was in yesterday's podcast. So if you missed that, please go listen to that. But that's my my make good on Memphis, and I wanted to acknowledge it because of the importance of it. So now the league says it's running out of time to start on December 22nd, so it's not considering the staggered thing, or maybe it might be, and this is all still negotiating through the media. I still think that there's a fair amount of that going on. They are still trying to figure out how to start this season. Why? Why are they? Why can't they figure this out? Uh, money is seems to be the issue here. And the NBA, according to Woj, says the NBA believes that there's somewhere between $500 million to a billion in revenue losses next season uh, beyond and beyond by failing to start the season in December. Now, Woj is caping for the league a little bit here. He's, he's put some language into his recent pieces where he seems to be doing a little a little favor for the league, I feel like. Well, maybe not favor is the real the right word, but he's he's kind of like throwing some nuggets in there for the, the, the league. One of them was saying that if if the league starts in December, on December 22nd, they'll get done before July. But if they start on January 18th, they won't the, it'll stretch into September, which doesn't make sense. How does how do you go more than a month if you're less than 30 days between the start dates, yet somehow you're gonna go more than a month and a half into the end, like that doesn't make any sense. So I, I think he's throwing just a couple of nuggets in there that are favorable for the league. Okay. That's fine. This is part of it. This is part of the negotiation through the media. This is how it goes. The the players association, there's going to be sourced reporting and they're going to throw their stuff out there. It's, this is all part of the dance. This was always how it's going to be, how it was going to be. This is how negotiations go when there's this much money at stake and this much the, the loss is this big at stake. This was always how it was going to go, and I said that from the beginning. Negotiations, no matter what they are, when you're negotiating a collective bargaining agreement, there's always going to be some level of contention. There's always going to be. You're not just going to let things slide and just cruise comfortably into this next chapter. Both sides want to make sure that they're covered because... You don't want the other side to slip in a little precedent that says, hey, you know, by the way, we got this, you know, it's already baked into the collective bargaining agreement. Once it's part of it, it's part of it, and it's hard to get it out, and you just, I don't know what that would be, but I'm just letting you know that this is all part of the song and dance. Both sides are on the same page on a lot of this. They're they're both on the same page that they want to get back and play basketball and get back on the schedule back where their summers are off, back to starting next October for the following season. They all want the same thing. Leading into this, Michelle Roberts said, this is the golden goose and neither side wants to kill it. So 
there's there's a little bit of back and forth. There's a little bit of pushing. And so here we are. Why is there pushing? Why is why are players pushing back? Don't they want their money? Well, if we're going to use this 500 million number, I just want to break it down to why 500 million is much more important to the owners versus to some of these players and why this faction of star players and probably a lot of players who are playing more recently might be against this December 22nd. 500 million is split essentially 50-50. I'll say 50-50 just because you know, it doesn't matter if it's 51 or 49. It's, we're using round numbers. We're approximating here. So 250 million goes to the teams. 250 million goes to the players. Okay? So that works out to be basically 8.33333333 million dollars per team. So whatever gets deducted from that, I don't know how the pay structure goes out to the teams, but they're going to get millions of dollars. So each team, the Boston Celtics are going to get millions of dollars. Uh, it's probably not exactly 8.333, 8, 8. but they're going to get millions of dollars, which can go towards paying salaries. It could go towards operating costs. It can go towards whatever. That's, that's money. That's real money for owners to pay. I mean, that could pay, I don't know what Brad Stevens salary is, but I mean, it could pay all of it or some of it or whatever it is. It could pay the coaching staff. It could pay, it, it's, it's real money to them. But that 8.333 million that goes into a team that goes into the players, well, they, that gets divided between the 15 players. And a max player getting 30%. Now, LeBron, I think, is getting 35, and some of these guys get 35, but the max player is getting 30%. 30% of that 8.333 is about $2.5 million. So he gets $2.5 million. But, but, 40% allegedly is going to be the escrow withholding. They're still hammering that out. I don't think they want it to be 40%, but the potential is that it's going to be 40% because that's going to be about the revenue loss. And remember when I did the podcast with Ryan Bernadoni, if you didn't hear that, go back a couple weeks ago, I did a three-part series with him explaining why these are fake numbers. That this is, this is going to be a formula that determines what portion of that split. And part of that formula is withholding 40%. In escrow. So that gets down to 1.5 million. You got to give your agent 4%. That's 1.44 million. You got to deduct taxes. Now, I use 35%, which I know it's going to be more than 35%. And depending on where these guys are in California, New York, if you're a member of the Knicks or the Nets and there's a city tax involved, your, your tax rate is higher. But if you take away the taxes, and I use 35%, 936 bucks, not 936,000 bucks, sorry, 936,000. So of the 8.333 million that goes to the teams, the players on the roster, a star player getting 30% of that, by the time you do all the withholdings and that massive escrow number, the take home is probably going to be somewhere around $936,000. And while I would love $936,000 and you would kill for $936,000, a player who is making 30% of the salary cap under normal circumstances, that's not a lot. It's not a lot. And it's certainly not enough for a player to be like, oh, well, 
I got to make sure I rush back and put my knees at risk and my health at risk for, you know, not having the full off season. That's not going to do it for a LeBron James. And these are again, round numbers. So this is why the players, this is why the players are pushing back on some of this stuff because they're losing a ton of money and sure that's, that's better than not having $936,000, but it's not such a massive number that they feel like, or some of these guys feel like I got to get it. So that's the reality of the situation. At some point during this week, we might have some level of, uh, agreement and then we can move forward. Uh, they push this thing out, the deadline out. We'll see how it goes, but the money, the money isn't, isn't exactly what it seems to be. Up next, a lot of these Jersey leaks have been out there on Twitter, on the internet, and these alternate jerseys. I haven't seen a Boston one yet, but I'm going to defend them and take it a step further next. Now, I know I'm going to be busting through a wall with some of you when I do that. If there's a way for me to take a built go to help me break through that and actually convince you, I would do it. But built go is great for getting you through whatever your wall is during the day. Is it the one that's in the middle of the afternoon after lunch and you start to feel all kind of tired at your desk and you don't really feel like doing anything? Uh, Especially if you're working from home, it's very easy to kind of get into that kind of mode. You're trying to go to the gym or trying to exercise and you need something to get you motivated, to get you that energy, to get that workout in. Well, that's why you go with Built Go. It's very easy. You can carry it around with you in these one and a half ounce packages. You throw it in a briefcase or a work bag, a you know gym bag or whatever. Put it in your pocket. You can bust that out and use it whenever you need to get through that wall during your day. It's a workout gel. It's like a five-hour energy without that same crash feeling, but it's all natural, okay? It's three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, three of my favorite things, or two of my favorite things, Uh, chocolate coconut, also awesome, chocolate mint, great combination, and it works by combining an energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast-absorbing, so it gets into my system really fast. I know when I use it before a workout, I can get it and get into into the gym and, and feel that boost right away. It's loaded with good stuff to ignite my work like beta alanine, B3, honey, and that kick of caffeine. And it gets me these vitamins like B6 and B12 to keep me going strong. And that collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So this stuff can literally make you look better. And I know because I need all the help I need. So go to BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED. For 20% off at BuiltGo.com, let's go. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Hard to tell what's real and what's fake right now on Twitter. I keep seeing these fake or these jersey leaks, these alternate jersey leaks that are all over the place. And... These alternate jerseys, these city edition jerseys, I I don't know. I don't know what some people like or some people don't. 
Generally speaking, I'm not a fan of some of these things. And look, this is coming from a guy that's pretty loyal to the Nike brand. I admit that. I, I've i just developed that loyalty over time playing basketball. They used to sponsor my team in Greece. Um, that stuff's always fit, fit well for me, so I just tend to gravitate towards Nike. I've always liked their stuff. So when Nike got the jersey contract for the NBA, I was psyched. I really thought they were going to kill it. And really, it's been kind of a mess. I don't like a lot of the jersey designs that they've had. All that is to say that I don't care all that much if the Celtics jerseys don't look great. Um, I actually don't mind that the Celtics have a couple of alternate jerseys because they're, they're still putting out the regular home jerseys. They're still putting out the regular green road jerseys. What is wrong with the occasional attempt to try something new, to try something better? Sure. Sometimes you get something like the sleeve jerseys. I didn't like those. I thought those were gross. Uh, I didn't like last year's city edition jerseys with that Irish pub lettering, but then again, look, I'm old and maybe I just don't like new things, uh, the way they look. And maybe I'll never like a design for these, these alternate jerseys, but I like the attempts. And I do think that the black jerseys look great. There's nothing wrong with a black Jersey. I loved a few years ago. Was it 2010? Uh, they put out the regular white jerseys with like the gold lettering. That was awesome. They only did it for like a couple of games. It might have been their St. Patrick's Day uniforms, I think. That was just spectacular. I like those little nuanced things. But give it a shot. If it sucks, it sucks. And maybe somebody with better design skills can come up with something better. But I like a black jersey. I'd like to see him try a gold jersey. You know, give it a shot. Why not? We still know what the Celtics' real uniforms look like. So if they play 10 games a year with some different uniforms or 15 games a year with some different uniforms, that's not going to change anything for me. I don't mind that that attempt. Now, I'm glad that we didn't get those, like, 90s, you know, when the Toronto Raptors have that Barney jersey. I know I get a lot of shit from Millie's when... He he loves that jersey, and he's he tweeted out once that if John Corrales doesn't like a jersey, that means it's fire, <laughs> which, fair enough, fair enough, because if you're 20-something, you probably don't want my advice on what looks good, okay? But I'd like to see more attempts, and here, I'm going to take it a step further. I would like the Celtics to try... Not only an alternate jersey with a different theme to it, but also let's match the court to the jersey like they do in Denver sometimes and in other cities. I think it's super, super cool. And I thought, I think Denver's uniforms look pretty good, actually. Denver changing the court to go with their uniforms a few times a year. I think it's such a cool thing. Why not take 10 games a year and put a different thing in the middle? Like maybe it's just the shamrock instead of lucky. 
Maybe it's an older version of Lucky. Maybe it's maybe it's just Lucky and not the center circle. I don't know. Nothing crazy. I'm not saying paint the whole court green. And you're going to say tradition, John, tradition. It's a classic look. But we've already changed traditions. In 1974, there was nothing in the middle of the floor. And at that point, the Celtics already won 11 championships with nothing on the floor. If you can change what it looked like after winning all of those championships, then what's the difference of changing it now for a few games, not even all the time? It's already been changed. The Celtics uniforms have already changed in design. Minor tweaks here and there. They've changed some of the little... I know it's still kind of the same, but they've changed enough where, yeah, times times move forward. They've changed the floor. They added the green lane. They added something to the center. They added the red R-back signature. They changed, they, they changed the ends where they put Celtics on the baselines. They, they do things like that from time to time. Why not try something cool? Why not try something different? I think it'd be fun. You know, you don't have to be stuck in your ways. The classic stuff is still going to be around. The classic stuff is still going to stay for the playoffs. It's going to be around for like 80% of the time. But the alternate stuff, more than anything, it's happening. It's just happening. And if there's one thing that I've learned over the course of my oldness and getting to this old spot in my life is that as much as you might hate some things that change, it's coming. Change is coming. Evolution happens. Society moves forward in general, and so do our preferences as a whole, and so do they in sports. And so, I know that maybe you don't like it, I know that maybe you don't want to hear it, but that's the reality. The reality is, things change. So let's embrace it. Let's embrace it and maybe do some cool things. Keep an open mind. I think if the Celtics can change their court, to match some cool alternate jerseys, I'm in. I just don't want them to be crappy. I just want somebody who's good at designing to come up with an idea. Maybe somebody from Boston that isn't trying to capture some stereotypical Southie ambiance. Like we can move past that, please, and not have to do everything just so over-the-top stereotypically Irish like the lettering that was last year. That's not all Boston is. Let's open that up. Nike, have a design contest. There are a lot of young, talented people in different parts of Boston that can capture a lot of what Boston still is. You know, it doesn't all have to be super Irish all the damn time. The name Celtics is Irish enough. Let's try something different and have like a cool experience with the whole thing. You know, let's capture all of Boston. Up next, could Kendrick Perkins help the Celtics out as an assistant coach? I'm going to answer that question when we come back. Be 
sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. This morning, I got a tweet from Rita, who's on Twitter at Smiley Jogger, who enjoyed last night's podcast, yesterday's podcast, and said, I think the biggest need is more leadership in the playoffs. Regular season, they're fine. Could Perk help as an assistant coach or add a player with championship winning experience? So I don't know that Perk, it's an, it's a great question because Perk is one of the guys you, you think of in that 2008 championship that he and Kevin Garnett got together and he was like the muscle behind Kevin Garnett's bark. And that really was a great combination. I mean, Perk was exactly what that team needed and that team is exactly what Perk needed. Um, I don't know what an assistant coach can do in terms of making a team tougher. Like, I don't know that Perk can come in there and, and impart that level of wisdom on a team because I don't know that that's the assistant coach's influence. And if Perk came in here and was an assistant, which let's, let's, Step aside for a second. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know what, what Perk wants in his his career. Maybe he does want to be a coach. Maybe he doesn't. But he's doing pretty well with the media thing. He's having some success there. Um, he seems to be enjoying that a lot. So whether he's doing that in until he tries to get onto the sidelines or not, I don't know. But right now, he seems to be heading into that media kind of life and – if that's what he wants, great. If he wants to be an assistant coach, it'd be interesting to see what he has to offer because he was obviously a big man. And Perk's style is not something that is in demand. So developing a player in Perk's style is not something that a team necessarily wants. So if a team says, you know, hey, who who can we find that is a big that played out in the perimeter, and you and you want to find somebody. Say, oh well, let's what's, what's Rasheed Wallace doing? You know, like you can go down that route, but and and I don't know if I want Sheed coaching my guys, but maybe not. Maybe you do because he's been in the league and he gets it. Like as much as you might say, like you know, Sheed was whatever. Um, he still was in the league. It was very successful, and he gets it. And Perk was very successful, and he gets it too. I would see him more of an advisory role. And there's only so much you can say in this role that can toughen a guy up. So this is why I think Rita's point about getting a player in here to toughen people up, that would be a better, that would be a better way to go. And I do agree that it might not be a bad thing to have someone in here that is another person, because I think smart is like this, but another person that's not afraid to knock some heads around. There's nothing wrong with having an instigator. Red Arback loved instigators. Marcus Smart is a bit of an instigator. Danny Ainge certainly was one. But having an edge, having a chip on your shoulder, I mean, that's... Whenever I talk to Brad Stevens about the Isaiah Thomas teams 
from like 2015, 16. He brings that up all the time. That team, everybody had this chip. They played with this chip on their shoulder. That's something that's, that is very helpful. That's a toughness that these Celtics surely lacked. You know, they, it's not that they were weak or, or anything like that, but there's a, a certain toughness that, that that's not what this team was. That's not what their signature is. The, this team was much more a finesse team, Marcus Smart notwithstanding. So a player would be the way to go. A Perk-like player, maybe not exactly the style that Perkins played, but I mean, when I think about all of this, I think about a guy like Aaron Baines, who is a no-nonsense guy that is willing to say whatever to whomever and is always about winning, is always been a great has always been a great teammate, but is always willing to say what he needs to say and and do what he needs to do. And if that pisses somebody off, so be it. That, I think, would be a much more uh, appropriate way for the Celtics to go. And I'm not opposed to that one bit. And I, I'd love to have Aaron Baines back. Now, whether that's the right move with the Celtics, the, the way this team is made up, what's more important? Having somebody like Robert Williams develop and becoming maybe your start, starting or backup big? Or getting Aaron Baines in here and using your mid-level to do that? in trying to get your bench scoring in the form of maybe it's Daniel Tice or a veteran minimum guy or through the draft. I I don't know that I don't know that Aaron Baines is the exact right player as much as I'd love to have him back. But I'm I'm sure there's a train of thought here that sure, you know what? You move move Daniel Tice you find somebody to take him and you get Aaron Baines and you still develop Robert Williams behind him. And however that works out between the two of them, you still do that. And you, you figure out something for your bench. I can certainly see that there's a a line of thinking there that you could, you can build around that mentality to, to get to the next level for, for the Celtics. Um, Adding that toughness will, will surely get something out of, the rest of the team, uh, there's value to that. And it definitely has to come from a player. It definitely does not come from a coach because Perk, when Perk is at his best, when he's imparting that stuff, it's in practice. You got to get in there and hit somebody and challenge somebody. That's what you got to do. It has to come on the court. That's what KG did. He challenged everybody right away and he found out, and it was not always pretty, but he found out who had it and who didn't. Who had the balls to go out there and and be by his side, and who didn't? And that has to come from a player. That's the show. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Tomorrow, I am recording a crossover with Locked On Pacers to talk about the Gordon Hayward possibility in Indiana. We're going to get down to it, maybe negotiate a trade, and see what they want, what do we want, and let's figure that out. So that's going to be tomorrow. So if you're a new listener, you want to subscribe so you can get that drop as soon as I put it on the internet. So subscribe wherever podcasts exist. You can follow on Spotify. Whatever device you use, whatever service you use, 
Locked On Celtics exists there. You regular listeners, you longtime listeners, love you. Thank you for rating five stars and giving it a good written review. Please, if you have not done that, do so because that helps keep the Locked On Celtics podcast at the top of the rankings. It's the number one Boston Celtics podcast in the world, and that's thanks to all of you sharing it and telling your friends that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.